Good morning. Today's gospel is from Luke chapter 23. When they came to the place that is called the skull, they crucified Jesus there with the criminals, one on his right and one on his left. Then Jesus said, Father, forgive them for they do not know what they are doing. And they cast lots to divide his clothing and the leaders stood by watching. As the people stood by watching, but the leaders scoffed at him saying, he saved others, let him save himself if he is the Messiah of God, his chosen one. The soldiers also mocked him coming up and offering him sour wine and saying, if you are the king of Jews, save yourself. There was also an inscription over him, this is the king of the Jews. One of the criminals who were hanged there kept deriding him and saying, are you not the Messiah? Save yourself and us. But the other rebuked him saying, do you not fear God since you are under the same sentence of condemnation? And we indeed have been justly condemned for we are getting what we deserve for our deeds. But this man has done nothing wrong. Then he said, Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. He replied, truly, I tell you, today you be, will be with me in paradise. Word of God, word of life. Thanks be to God. Good morning. His name was Kino. He was my grandpa, and I loved him. He was a towering man with a twinkle in his eye, especially when his family was around. What a family, he would bellow out when we gathered at the table for a meal. I got to see my grandpa a lot when I was growing up, and I loved the Sunday mornings when I was allowed to skip Catholic Mass and surprise him at his church. I would sneak into his pew, snuggle up to him in his gray pinstriped wool suit, and feel like the most important person in the world. If I had to describe him in just a few words, they would be joyful, faithful, and content. He had only a little money to his name, but to know him, you would think he was living like the life of a king. What delight he took in drilling tiny little holes in his sneakers so he wouldn't have to spend money on sandals. What satisfaction it gave him to create a do-it-yourself humidifier by hanging a damp towel on the shower bar and positioning his fan just right. What pride he had in sharing what he was cooking in the kitchen each week. Speaking of hot dogs from Pastor Beth's sermon last week, my grandpa's favorite meal in his later years was to heat up chopped hot dogs in canned soup. We were horrified, but he went on and on about his concoction like it was a bisque fit for a king. My grandpa lived his life knowing the real king, and so everything else was simply gravy. 
As Pastor Beth said, today is Christ the King Sunday, a day to pause and proclaim that Christ reigns over the whole world before we pivot back into the mysteries of Advent. And I have to say up front that Christ as King is not a metaphor that works for everyone. It would have worked for my grandpa, for sure, but it might seem outdated and in a world where violence and nationalism and oppression and disregard for creation seems to reign, likening Jesus to anything kingly might even feel offensive to, to some of us. Of course, that's what all the smearing was about that day that Jesus was stripped down and hung on the cross between two criminals. How could he be king of the Jews when he could do nothing to save even himself? And so therein lies the paradox of our faith, that in a world so in love with power and domination, we worship a king who was literally a dead man walking, and who at the very same time was forgiving his perpetrators and speaking a blessing of promise and paradise to a thief at his side. That Jesus was king made no sense. So I have a very basic question for you to think about today on Christ the King Sunday, and that is this. Why are you here? Either in person or online, why are you here? I'm guessing that you didn't come today to worship a king who rules from a throne. You're not here because it's going to have a positive impact on your 401k. I'm guessing that you're not here for a performance either. Talented musicians and staff, though we surely have. You're not even here primarily because we partner with community organizations because there are countless ways you could volunteer without church. And finally, after the pandemic that turned the world upside down, you are not here just because you are a creature of habit. There's been enough disruption that you could have faded into the woodwork if you wanted to. So let me go out on a limb and speculate that you are here on this Sunday because at some time in your life, even if just for a moment or two, you got a glimpse of the Jesus on the cross that we read about today, and your life has never been the same. Maybe someone carried your burdens for you, or someone forgave you when it made no sense whatsoever, and you wondered, what in the world is this love all about? Maybe you found yourself helping someone out of the good of your own heart, expecting nothing in return, and knew that you too were connected to the same source of love as Jesus. 
Maybe you looked into the eyes of a loved one who was dying and knew in your body that eternal life, the thing Jesus called paradise, in some way, shape, or form was indeed real. Maybe you have intuition in your bones that the power of love and hope and reconciliation is much stronger than the power of violence, division, and hate. So if I had to guess, I would say that you are here because you have felt this radical love of Christ moving in and through and alongside you in this life some way. And I believe this is true because otherwise our being together, all of us, this cold November morning would make no sense. My friends, these encounters with God, call them holy moments or thin spaces with loved ones and neighbors and strangers, these laid out and stitched together over space and time and geography and eternity, these moments are the reign of Christ. They make no sense in the world we live in, just like Jesus on a cross made no sense as king. Proclaiming Christ's kingship over the world, as we are told to do this Sunday, might not feel authentic for everyone. But what would it be like if we simply began to own our own holy moments just a bit more? What would it be like if we had the courage to tell our own stories of God coming near and share them with others? What would the world be like if we lived more confidence from day to day that the way we have already experienced God is indeed real in the here and now and in the promises to, be, to come? We had to move Grandpa Kino to the nursing home in his last few days. I have to admit it was pretty depressing. Settled in a dingy shared room, his roommate on the other side of the curtain was cursing sporadically, and his attempts to press the button uh, for nursing help often went unanswered. But he seemed to take it all in stride with kind and gentle eyes, even when my aunt and I struggled to help him on and off his commode, this weird chamber pot-like thing in the middle of the room, which must have been pretty humiliating. When it was time for me to say goodbye for the last time, I remember him grabbing my hand so hard, raising his head up from his pillow to say, I love you so much. We both knew we wouldn't see each other again, at least on this side of life, but he might have well have said, I'll see you in paradise. Because in his eyes, I saw the fullness of heaven and earth come into view. So the reign of Christ to me will never be Jesus up on a throne, ruling down upon us, but forever Jesus sitting alongside us in our weakest moments, even on the commode, 
And I know that to be real and true. What about you? What do you know to be real and true about the love of Christ? God, give us all the courage to proclaim what we already know about you and to live our lives knowing that it's true. Amen.